Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Monday, February 13th, 2023. I am John Podhoritz, the editor of Commentary Magazine. With me, as always, executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Media commentary columnist and American Enterprise Institute fellow Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And in his final week as commentary co-host, associate editor and author of Rise of the New Puritans, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. Well, no, you picked a an interesting week to uh, to as your swan song uh, because we do have an unprecedented ev- continuing event going on with the uh, incursion into U.S. airspace of these unidentified or unidentifiable craft that we are shooting down. Uh, we shot down one over Lake Huron, and apparently we helped the Canadians shoot down one. Well, Friday, Friday evening off Alaska, Saturday in Canadian airspace and Sunday in Michigan. So that's three. Thank you very much. So that's 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 four. That makes a total of four craft that we have now shot down in the last week. And to read the news stories, you know, with uh, Pentagon participation um, is to be extraordinarily unnerved because either they're just lying through their teeth and they know exactly what's going on and they're not telling us, which is unnerving or they really don't know what's going on. And that's really even more unnerving. (laughs) So um, we have one of them, uh, of course, the first one, the one that uh, was seen over Billings, Montana, was shot down over the Atlantic, was gigantic, was 200 feet high, I think they said, and maybe the length of a football field. I mean, I can't quite remember the length, but it was 200 feet high. Um. The second one, the one they shot down over the Aleutians, uh, was the size of a car, which, um, again, if you've actually seen a balloon, like a hot air balloon, uh, I mean, that's why I said maybe they're Zeppelins or something like that, but they're not well, Zeppelins. Wait, they, just, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to talk about because we're only getting sort of reports, if we can even call them that, in the vaguest of terms yeah um they're saying objects um they're saying they're saying things like um, cylindrical object or something cylindrical <laughs> sometimes they're saying well we're, we're not sure how it's how how this or that object um was even um propelled or or uh how it sort of stayed afloat now that could mean that it's a balloon or it could mean something else entirely entirely um the the total blackout on details or context is extraordinary for something so consequential well, well we don't know so precisely how consequential it is because is we don't pretty, know anything else it's pretty uh, consequential yeah well, I, there's I, yeah i mean there's uh, I, I i'm not completely unconvinced by the fact that in these in the these stories that are very low on you know, short on details you have defense officials saying well we just kind of loosened up the specs a little bit after the first incursion, said, okay, well, let's let's really broaden the aperture here and see what we're looking at in the upper atmosphere. And lo, there's a lot of stuff flying around up there. And all of a sudden, they get very nervous. One of the things that I've enjoyed about this. Okay, so cycle, that's not unnerving? <laughs> no, that that's, There's that's, a lot of stuff in the upper well, atmosphere that we haven't seen because we weren't looking. And then it turns out that there's a lot of craft that aren't ours that we don't know are traversing our airspace. Uh, it certainly could be. It could not be. I think the reaction that we've seen so far from the administration and Canadian government is marginally more unnerving than whatever it is we're blowing out of the sky, because every no, but there's no, there's no policy here. Everybody's improving. Obviously, they were improving it through last week, and all the explanations that we got from the administration as to why they couldn't act until they acted have just been scuttled. By the events over the weekend, ah, they couldn't shoot it down over populated areas, which is not Canada or Alaska. All of a sudden we discover, wow, Canada and Alaska are pretty empty and you can shoot it down wherever you want. Oh, we had to collect the thing so we can gather intelligence from it. Unless you want to blow it out over the sky over Lake Huron and just let it descend into the darky depths and we'll never see it again. And all these things just sort of disappear as talking points that were really important on Friday. And Republicans too have also changed their tune too. Because are, like, are we not? Are we not saying, trying to recover? Wait, are we not trying to recover tra- the Canadian the stuff military? In Lake Huron? Well, the Canadian military is in Yukon territory trying to recover. They are trying to recover stuff, but I mean, a Sidewinder missile is not exactly a delicate uh, tap. Right. I mean, there's not going to be there's going to be debris. Things. Yeah. Briefly and briefly, Republicans, which I think are actually 
acting kind of smart, at least the smart Republicans are acting smart, where though some of them were very gung-ho about shooting this thing over this guy, which they probably, should, or, or the first one, which they probably should have been a little, you know, more cautious about, but nevertheless proven right because we did shoot it out of the sky. But now they're all saying, wait a minute, slow down. You're getting a little trigger happy shooting the stuff out of the sky like this. And they're not wrong. We, if we don't even know what we're destroying. But then we don't, we don't know, know what... that they're, we don't know that they're not wrong. Okay. So we don't know I don't think you can, I don't think you can, unfortunately though, disaggregating things like this is how you sort of understand them. You cannot disaggregate the response from the incursion, which is to say they are not behaving normally. This is not normal behavior. Uh, and it's not normal behavior because they don't know what to do. They don't understand what they're up against. They've now decided essentially after the first go round to shoot first and ask questions later. That appears to be the decision like the, well, let's let it fly and see what happens. Well, let's see what goes is now over. And I am more unnerved, I would say, by the Canadian response. I mean, Justin Trudeau is as uh, wimpy and and third rate and undaring a politician as the world has ever seen. And if he thought that it was a good idea to shoot down uh, their Yukon balloon, um, that is a sign that something very new is happening here. I think we can, I mean, they will, if they are dissimulating and they do know about these programs and stuff like this has gone on before and we're just you know trying to stage a good pr effort uh so that it doesn't look like biden is feckless that's war by now that is way worse way worse and now china's way talking worse, about right? reciprocity okay. china's looking for whatever objects it can to take out of the sky just to demonstrate that it can do it too right um, not, a, not a stable condition well, I mean, and claiming uh, yeah. Chinese state media is now claiming to see spy balloons also and shoot it down, which we which we should certainly take with a grain of salt, as they often, you know, this could just be made up in order to look bellicose at a moment when we're shooting everything out of the sky and blaming them. I I, uh, I am but, very but was, yeah. But by ahead. point of comparison, I remember after nine eleven, um, there were all sorts of. We the whole country was obviously very jittery and sort of looking toward the skies, and there were all sorts of um, false alarms, uh, either about oh there's an explosion, there's a van that's been left on a bridge, and cops are swarming that, and or there's a a, a plane is off course, um, and uh, they all sort of turned out not to have anything to to do with a a, a plot against the U.S. any sort of terrorist plot. Um, this is very different. This isn't just we're not just being uh, jittery and um, uh, vigilant here. Um, we are following through, I presume, for for a reason. We are, we, we are actually blowing these things out of the sky. And it's not as if anyone is coming forward and saying, hey, what are you doing? That's you just you just knocked my my my, it's my you know, private, homemade drone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My my homemade drone or or or, or my my, you know, industrial, uh, you know, my my company's, you know, experimental craft or, you know, no one is is has come forward and said, you know, uh, this this was mine and this was a mistake. Um, so th what's happening here is sort of real on on the on the geopolitical on the on this, you know, global reality level. Um, and what strikes me, what is most frightening to me about all this is that the president isn't coming out and saying anything, isn't giving us any details while while things are being knocked out of the skies above us. So yeah, it my is a Sputnik moment because we're having a Sputnik crisis. Minus Eisenhower. <laughs> yeah. Well, my well, son the, who reads the, a lot the... of sci-fi said after like the third one was shot down, he said, you know, this is how all the the, the sort of campy sci-fi stories start, right? The aliens come to make contact and are we immediately blow them out of the sky. I mean, he was joking, yeah. but the the fact that people are kind of laughingly speculating this could be aliens, that's exactly to your point, Abe. We need to know sooner rather than later what the president's message on this is, even if he can't reveal details for national security reasons. I I I I think that is another reason to be unnerved. Like if you think that this is a deliberate strategy to keep the president silent, 
because we don't know when we haven't developed our policy and all of that, that's fine. Uh, having Biden come out at some point in the last week to say we're detecting, you know, we are, we have uh, new kinds of, um, it appears there's a new kind of intelligence being, uh, you know, waged against us or, you know, lo looked at and we are determined uh, to protect our sovereignty, protect our airspace, and to keep our secrets secret. He wouldn't have to say anything else. Like, he yeah, but he can't, that's hard to say after saying, well, we're just going to let a Chinese, a known no. Chinese spy balloon float across the continental U.S. That's, no, that's he could say we made that, we made a decision made a, yeah. in order to, we made a, we, we made a, uh, you know, considered decision to, you know, to secure safety this thing was gigantic whatever what point yeah. is he can make a five-minute statement it's not a speech exactly. he doesn't have to have the press i mean it's not a it's not a press conference if he doesn't want to answer questions he can make a statement without answering questions you know he can make a five-minute speech from the oval office or you know from 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 union station or, or from or his philadelphia fake stage, his fake tv studio his fake, where, whatever and just stay <laughs> say that and say something and it's unnerving that they haven't had him do that or that he doesn't want to do that or that he is, uh, which is the thing that is the most worrisome, incapable of doing that. That is to say, one of the qualities a president is going to have to, has to have is improvisatory. In other words, problems arise that you don't anticipate and then you have to react to them and but you have to do. And so what if he is, what if his reactions are not appropriate? No, but we know that. We know when he goes improvisatory, in this case, he's going to have corn pop tell an alien story. This is not, not what you want. I, I'm not saying rhetorically. I mean, literally, like, yeah. Mr. President, there's a balloon over there's a balloon over Lake Huron. What do we do? Right. And and wh what is that? You know, and the, can we game it out if we shoot down X balloon over Lake Huron and it's the fourth one? What is that going to mean? Are we going to have to address China? All of this. I mean, the what if here is what if he is not capable of handling anything that is not brought to him in a package? Like, here's legislation that you can sign. We've Schumer has worked with Manchin for four months, and now here is the Inflation Reduction Act. If you say, let's have it, then you'll get all the credit for it. You don't deserve any credit for it. Nobody here in this White House had anything to do with the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, but you can walk around and get credit for it. What Here is a thing where there's nobody to come bring him a package. I mean, they, of course, he has staff. He has, he, has, he has cabinet departments. He has the intelligence agencies. But this is policy that has to be made on the fly, and he's the president. What if he can't do it? Well, this is very unbiden-like, anyway, to to pull the trigger on these uh, on these uh, contingencies with as little apparently. I mean, given the the speed with which they happened, with such little understanding of what the mission was, what the targets were, what the ramifications would be. That's not Joe Biden. Joe Biden says no to the Osama bin Laden raid because it could have excess you know casualties. He's a cautious foreign policy guy, insofar as he understands caution to be not kinetic operations okay so, so the order of these the operations is, is very unbiden now when the when the billings montana spotting happened uh the pentagon took credit for the decision to say we shouldn't shoot it down it was all this the pentagon said we don't know De debris could fall on people let's let it go forward it wasn't Biden said, don't shoot it down. Note very carefully that that was not what was said. Then, then we were told 24 hours later that Biden had given the order to shoot it down, but only after it had passed into the Atlantic. So that tells me that um, either they figured out that it was a much bigger deal than they had said, or that policy is being made on these matters without reference to the White House. And then they really had to get it clear that the president was making the decision to shoot it down. Obviously, the president should be making the decision to shoot it down. I just think that we are 
at a moment at which we may start finding out things about how the White House is functioning uh, that are going to trouble people. Um, it's this is a very tightly controlled White House, very almost no leaking unless somebody wants to trash Kamala Harris. There's no leaking. There's nothing. The staff is incredibly loyal to him personally, which makes sense because these are people who've been around him for decades and whose entire lives and fortunes are unlike, say, Trump, who was surrounding himself with people he didn't know who weren't loyal and were, you know, like had Maggie Haberman on speed dial and were enjoying themselves by by this is not the Biden situation. But um, if we're if we're in a if we're in a lingering pattern here in which. uh very weird things are happening and there's no sense of control and they don't seem to want to project a sense of control having people say we don't know what it is and we're struggling to figure out what the thing that was the size of a car was because it actually broke up it's not like a balloon that punctured the car size one over the illusions broke up like a like an aircraft so what was it, a different kind of aircraft? You know, is it an aircraft, is it a stealth aircraft over, you know, that's flying at 50,000 feet or whatever? Or did something drop to 20,000 feet? You can't fly. But they are not talking like, yeah, look, we've seen this, you know, we've seen this before, or we, you know, we we have contingency plans for everything. They don't have contingency plans for this. Well, and these pose a real risk to to flight, uh, air traffic. All right, are they're, they're, these objects, unlike the Chinese spy balloon, are at a level that could actually interfere with plane airplanes flying in, in on those routes. So it's 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 quite dangerous to to have these things floating around, whatever they are. Um, I, I mean, I will to your point about Biden and how his administration runs. Our friend Josh Krashauer has a great piece in Axios today. Um, that's more about Biden's political future, but I think it speaks to your point, John, because he's basically saying that the Biden administration has become sort of so insular and and especially post State of the Union, so kind of full of energy and thinking that it's that it, it's unbeatable, that they're not really listening to criticism even from their own party, the voters in their party, not the kind of muckety mucks in the Democratic Party infrastructure, but average Democratic voters who are still unsatisfied. His ratings and approvals are still quite low for a president in his term. Um, and that that blindness to reality is could pose you know a future challenge to his reelection. But I think it also speaks to what you're saying, which is a sort of sense of disorder and chaos. And who's who's making the calls? I mean, Ron has Ron Klain has officially left. Um, you know, he's got a new chief of staff. Some of the smooth operations that we saw in the first two years and the lack of leaks that might start to break down under a non-Ron Klain chief of staff. But the idea that they're not listening to criticism has been a, I think, a problem for Biden since the beginning of his presidency. Well, he doesn't like criticism. Nobody, I mean, nobody likes criticism. So. Yeah, but a smart politician right. at least take, listens yeah. and, and thinks about whether or not there's any legitimacy to it. Yeah, or a very, very, very cold-eyed or cool-headed or unsentimental politician. like right. the, Or their strategists the end, like, do that for them. <laughs> you remember sort of the, the, the arc of Bill Clinton was, Bill Clinton was very touchy, very defensive in his first year, year and a half. And like, if anybody said boo to him, he yelled at them in staff meetings. He yelled at Britt Hume for asking a question when he nominated Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, to the Supreme Court. He he had tantrums. He had this. He had that. And then he had his hat handed to him, and he you know immediately cooled off and got a cool head. And he was like, "Okay, what am I supposed to do here to turn my fortunes around?" And he was very considered and very calm and very cold-blooded about changing direction but not reversing direction like trying to figure out a way to 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 the famous triangulations the yes. yeah. yeah but also to reconcile the very serious liberalism of his first year and a half in office with the moderation he needed to show in order to get reelected biden of course and obama before him showed absolutely no capacity for that kind of cold-eyed calculation about how to reverse your political fortunes. And I'm going to say this till 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 you know till uh, till the sun dies out that Obama thought of as a brilliant politician had one skill which was getting himself personally reelected uh which he did by the way not so great 
like you know he he got four million fewer votes in 2012 than he got in 2008 and over the course of his presidency decimated the democratic party both in washington and nationally and uh, a lot of that was just the weakness of being unable to understand how to shift gears not go in reverse but downshift you know you were if you're you know you're like you're revving you know you're you're revving your car you need to downshift into first gear to calm things down so you don't overheat and he didn't know how to do that and biden clearly does not have any such skill and then they of course had the advantage of having a very surprisingly undamaging electoral season uh, in 2022, which nobody expected. But, you know, it's not like it was a triumph for them. So they gained one Senate seat. You know, I mean, it was way better than they had any right to expect, but they gained one Senate seat and they, they lost, you know, 10 House seats. And that was also better than they had any right to expect. And it's not like they won things, you know, and they're acting like, as 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 you and Josh Krauser say, they're acting like they won 49 states, like Reagan in 84, you know. Uh, granted, no one's ever going to win 49 states again, but, you know, losing 10 House seats and winning one Senate seat would not be in anybody's playbook of, like, this is the greatest political triumph of our time. And yet they are sort of acting like that. And maybe they act like that because they don't, why not? Like they don't have any other, they don't have anything else to play because we're seeing Biden at his Bideness this week. Like either he's doing fantastically. Like either, this is the other possibility that, you know, in fact, there's a lot of conflicting information. There's got a lot of hotheads around him or people who are, and he is like charting, a very, you know, he's charting a middle course among his own people, but they better tell us that that's the story. Well, but a, if it's the story, a middle course, I mean, it's, it's to me, what, what's scary is I think they're not saying anything because they don't know what sort of posture to adopt toward China. I mean, if this is China, which, which presuming it is, um, how to thread that needle between vigilance and provocation. Uh, and I don't think Biden knows how to say, because remember, he had an opportunity in the State of the Union to sort of kind of do some messaging here, and he barely, on, on the first balloon, and he barely said a word. Uh, there was like a sentence, you know, uh, th that was very vague about about how, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll protect the, the, the U.S., uh, and then he said the very bizarre thing about who would want to be uh, Xi. Um, I don't think they've worked out a posture toward China, given the new givens, whatever they are, whatever, 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 whatever these objects in the sky portend. I think that's I think that's fairly clear. Um that's that's what's unnerving. We're like, just assuming is... that it's China. No one's actually yeah. saying that even off the record or on background, unattributable you know, comments. All they're saying, in fact, what they're saying is officials who aren't identified here in background quotes is that they don't know what these things are. Right. <laughs> so what is what is the president supposed to say? That would make everything worse. If you had gone on television and said, yeah, we have no idea what's up there. We're just shooting it out of the sky just to be safe. That well, wouldn't make so me you're... feel any better. Okay, well... We don't know what they are. We can presume that they come from one of three countries, right? China, Russia, North Korea. Who else? Who else needs to do overflights to see what our missile missile capabilities are, or you know, or how our radar works, or st stuff like that? Nobody else has a, a um, military or intelligence interest in the makeup of the patterns of warfare and defense on the con you know uh Connell North, North America so but the implication sort of in a lot of these quotes is that this has been happening pretty regularly this is kind of the status quo the status quo changed as a result of this earlier inclusion and then we've only begun to identify as potential threats these objects now I, whereas they I were think that's just classified as unidentified objects 
I just think that's happy talk because what they're saying is, well, we're seeing more of these craft because we we expanded our radar. But we vision, just had those. Right? We just had those recent hearings about where Air Force uh, pilots testified to things they'd seen. Remember, there was this whole like, "Oh, yeah. is it aliens? Uh-huh. What are these?" On a, and, and they yeah. they actually declassified a lot of stuff. So it's possible that these sorts of things have been happening. But it's also possible that we still don't know who sent them, what they are, what their purpose is. I mean, even if it's a if it's a hostile foreign power. So the idea that we haven't had identified flying objects in our airspace is is. Uh, we have, but whether no, we or not know, we're talking about we it in know that way. from those hearings and that declassification that over the course of the last 40 years, there have been something like 180 UFOs that we were not able to dismiss as sightings of known craft. And the thing that people were getting worried about was that at least in a couple of cases, there was evidence of aircraft doing things that we were unaware, supposedly, Forms of that aircraft whatnot, could yeah. do. Hypersonic. Right. Hover. Like, hovering. Not, 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 not being slowed down by atmosphere. I don't know. There, was, there, were, there were various things that, you know, have to do with aerospace and stuff like that that I don't understand, but that were like, well, with the laws of physics, we, don't, we, we can't, can't do. do this. <laughs> of course, we don't know what we can or can't do. But like, so there were 100 in, in like four or five decades, there were 180 cases. But I want to go back to what Noah said, like you, this has all been going on. If this has all been going on, but we didn't know because our radar wasn't set at, you know, 0.62 as opposed to 0.92, um, that's even worse. I'm sorry. That make from to me that makes it worse. Oh, it's like oh, you know what? Then we 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 expanded our our band our vision so we could see, and then you know what? There's a whole bunch of other ones. They're even lower, and we missed them. Well, first of all, do other nations have stealth aircraft that don't show up on conventional radar that we can't see, and we didn't know that they had them? And therefore had to watch them. So that would be bad. Like we don't know that China has. Or so whoever has. Things that can fly 20,000 feet. That we can't see. Uh, that's weird. And then also. You know I, I'm just saying like. They're now saying oh yeah. This has been going on a long time. And then the Trump people said no it hasn't. We never saw anything like this. And now they're saying yeah well now that we back and filled. It looks like there's been a lot of this going on. But we didn't know that any of it was going on, which means we don't know what intelligence has been gathered. We don't know what they've seen. We don't know what they know. Now we have no idea what they know because they may have been collecting data for years that we didn't know about. That's worse. I don't know. Is it? Maybe it's not worse. Maybe them being this provocative and exposing themselves to plain sight is worse. But I don't think there's anything comforting in the thought that this has been going on a long time when the Pentagon and American officials are acting like they never knew that anything like this had ever been going on until last week. Am I, I no, I don't want to be unkind. I don't want to be like unfair to you. I mean, does that, you're saying you you're glad that they're not like overreacting. seems to me like, I don't know if they're a, not overreacting or not. None of us know anything. <laughs> that's that's my my problem here. It's very difficult to analyze this thing when we have almost no inputs to help us properly classify well, what's we happening. We do have, to be fair, we With have the exception inputs. of the fact that we can see a lot of American ordnance being shot off at objects we don't quite understand, and a very uh, aggressive, kind of paranoid foreign power now saying, "Well, we're going to shoot some stuff too," and that makes me a little nervous. Right, but but um, we do have inputs because either these people who are briefing people and some of them are on the record are telling the truth as far as they can and aren't, aren't being dishonest or, you know, trying to um, mislead in which case the inputs are, we don't know what the hell is going on here. We don't know what these things are. We don't know where they come from. We're hoping to get some more, you know, understanding if we can recover some of the pieces but right now we don't know what's going on or they're lot or they're we don't even know what the threat you. profile is christine said that and she's right that the one over like here on as far as i understand it descended to about twenty thousand feet 
which is a possible threat to civilian aircraft. But I don't think that was the rationale for the one that was downed over British Columbia, I think. Either that or Alberta. Somewhere over Canada. I don't know what the Yukon. rationale was. It was the that Yukon. Yukon. That's all I know. Go. Yukon. Okay, but even the look, even the New York Times is invoking the X Files in its lead about the story. So I mean, nobody. I, I I'm I'm kind of on the we don't actually have enough inputs to. I, I I'm siding a little bit with Noah on this because the and this is where the wild and rampant speculation, which we are also enjoying doing today, uh, happens. But that's what could that that five minute statement, as you say, John, from the president could shut down a lot of that rampant speculation. Unless he doesn't have anything to say, but he could just just but shooting things just out of just to be safe. I mean, I love blowing stuff up as much as the next guy. Our new foreign policy approach is now safetyism. That's not great. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Listen, if we're going to go science fiction, I want to make a recommendation to people. I don't read a lot of science fiction. Uh, I did, you know, I did when I was a teenager, but I haven't in many, many years. But I did four or five years ago read. Uh, this Chinese, this work of Chinese science fiction, the like the the sort of la- landmark. Uh, I think Noah, did you read the Three Body yeah. Problem? Yes, by I have. Just the Li. first book. I've never read the other books. So. Right. Well, the 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 second one, the name of which I can't remember. It's called the book is called. It's a series, three books. One is the first one is called the Three Body Problem, um, and it's pretty extraordinary. And it's extraordinary because it actually deals with, in part, uh, the uh, the the creation of craft uh in space uh that that appear and do things that we had no idea that they could do and they're really little like they like a little bullet um and uh it's a whole complicated thing but it's interesting because um it gets at what is so unnerving about the general proposition that happens when people in positions of power um, get complacent about the unknown not to not to be too like you know because all horror movies about people getting complacent about the unknown and then you know and then somebody jumps out of the closet and kills them but that you know you sort of have a world in which you can't imagine a new threat and then a new threat comes and it does things that you didn't anticipate uh you know would happen and uh and uh anyway so that's not that I'm I don't think aliens are involved here, but uh, but I do think that that is a it's an interesting moment for to read the three body problem by Shijin Lee. Anyway, um, uh, so maybe we should since we're now getting into, you know, speculation territory. Noah, um, you uh, you know, we 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 spent a couple of weeks watching Kevin McCarthy pretty impotently try to uh, kowtow to his 20 uh, member rump that had decided they didn't want him to be speaker and to make promises to them and to cajole them and to, you know, and to sweet talk them and finally succeed in that uh, in the, in the house with his five seat majority. Um, But something very different is going on in the Senate among Republicans who of course do not have the majority are now in the minority but Mitch McConnell, uh, who is, you know, 80 years old or 81 years old, uh, but is still firmly got his hands on the tiller of the Republican minority in the Senate, um, has been going in a very different direction. Yes. Uh, I don't I nobody's compiled all these stories together and they should because you, you, you should queue up the coda from Layla to the to the, as the soundtrack to uh, Mitch McConnell's uh, conduct here because he's settling all family business. Uh, at the start of this new Congress, he's taken some revenge against some of the members of the Senate Republican Conference who got crossways with Mitch McConnell, maybe tried to weaken his hold on leadership. And there are consequences when you lunge at the king and miss. Uh, Rick Scott, who has been on the wrong side of Mitch McConnell for some time and has clearly has eyes on higher office, um, lost his committee posts, one of his Senate Commerce Committee posts, as well as um, Mike Lee, uh, both of whom were on the same page there. He's Mike also Lee, senator from senator from Utah. Utah. And uh, he gave uh, he, 
Rick Scott's plan to sunset all laws, what have you, and a variety of other very impolitic suggestions that everybody disavowed when it came out was something that Mitch McConnell was against. And he's now talking to Kentucky Radio about how it's going to be difficult for Scott in his reelect. This is a guy who has 49 members. So he has a vested interest in shoring up every single one of those members, but maybe not this one. Likewise, Josh Hawley has been uh, has left the Armed Services Committee. There's a lot of speculation about why, um, but uh, Roll Call reported that his departure has quite a bit to do with his effort to challenge Mitch, Mitch McConnell's hold on the chamber. Um, and this is what happens. And this is how you maintain order in leadership. It's the sort of thing that has become anathema to Republicans, Republican voters who like the chaos of it all and and perceive themselves to be aggrieved when there are any consequences for their effort to overturn the status quo. But there are consequences for overturning the status quo. And this is how you make a body work, especially if you want to maintain, um, you know, keep everybody on, on their marching orders, maintain discipline in the ranks. This is how you do it. There are consequences for this sort of thing. And there, the fact that it's not being paid attention to, that this is not a, a narrative for a, a, a grievance that must be avenged in the next cycle, and I haven't heard much about that from the insurgents, typically insurgent wing of the Republican Party, uh, is interesting. It's very interesting to me because this is the sort of thing that they should, I mean, the subject matter, committee post, is kind of dry, but it, nevertheless, you, it wouldn't be difficult to drum up a, a a real, you know, fiery grievance for the insurgent wing that doesn't have any love for Mitch McConnell to latch onto and say, well, this is the one reason why you shouldn't, why you shouldn't be in leadership. And I haven't heard that at all yet. Well, it's a reminder of just how these institutions are supposed to function and when a leader actually knows how to lead them. I mean, the carrot and the stick have long been the way and committee appointments are a carrot and a stick, the either the granting or the removal of them. And you're you're right to say the chaos that came before. I mean, in some ways during the Trump years, Trump was a kind of de facto chaotic force, even in decision making in other branches of government, you know, threatening and bullying and harassing and, you know, claiming so-and-so was not a real Republican, all that stuff, which McConnell obviously navigated, I think, for the most part, in a fairly savvy way. But now, you know, this is how he runs his ship. And and leadership in the House under McCarthy is quite a contrast to that, right? Because McCarthy has started out his position in a in in fairly weak you know, order. And he's not going to have the same power of the carrot and the stick. Nancy Pelosi had the carrot and the stick too. Like real people who understand how power works in these institutions have wielded it effectively. And McConnell is one of those people, regardless of whether, you know, the insurgent wing thinks he's, he's an effective Republican. I, um, I, it's an interesting thing to note. Uh, and we don't know really what the long-term uh, consequences are. I do know that over the weekend, Marjorie Taylor Greene was speaking somewhere, Congress member from Georgia, and said, who agrees with me that Mitch McConnell is a Democrat? So let's just unpack this a little bit, because it is like the version of what Noah's saying, like the insurgents, not, not that she's in the Senate or it matters, like are going to go after Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, people have been going after Mitch McConnell now for 12 years. In 2011, I remember Eric Erickson, uh, you know, like, Mitch McConnell has got to go. He doesn't fight. He, We need someone who's going to fight. Fight, 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 fight. He's not fighting. Even Bill Crystal <clears throat> from, the, uh, from a different side was like, Mitch doesn't confront. He's like, he's just a, he's a donor. Uh, you know, he's like just representing the donor class or whatever. So then rolls around 2016 and through the Trump presidency. And what does Mitch McConnell achieve? He achieves three Supreme Court vacancies. There are three Supreme Court vacancies filled by three conservatives. It's the most important conser event uh, in the most important political, what would you call it, <clears throat> moments uh, in American conservatism in the decade of the, of the, of the 2010s. Uh, and 2020, I guess the, you know, the, the tail end that's, you know, uh, um, Gorsuch, Barrett and Kavanaugh, uh, McConnell's implacability. Uh, some people would say that he, you know, misbehaved in 2016 by forcing through that, um, nomination of Gorsuch, of, uh, wait, I'm sorry. It was Gorsuch, right? Or well, holding, holding, up, holding, holding up. this seat vacant until, until Trump could appoint Gorsuch in 2017. Um, 
he did that. Like he drew fire. He, you know, he stood there stolidly taking the notion that he was destroying all comedy and all this and all that, you know, to hear like somebody like more, I I don't want to like make too much of a deal about Marjorie Taylor Greene saying something stupid or crazy, but um, to hear somebody like that who hasn't lifted a finger to do anything of any moment, except talk about Jewish space lasers, you know, criticize Mitch McConnell's republicanism um, it is a mark of how incompetent some of these kinds of assaults are, you know, um, and it's like, does, does Donald Trump really think that, you know, spending all this time saying racist things about Mitch McConnell's wife, his own cabinet secretary, <laughs> Elaine Chow? is a prudent strategy as he's trying to drum up re-election. I understand he thinks that it's good to have Republican enemy, you know, so that he can run as an insurgent against the regular Republican party. But if anybody is going to be fighting in Washington to keep the Biden agenda from being implemented, it's Mitch McConnell. Trump's not going to be doing anything. The house will be, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene is mostly going to be spending her energy attacking other Republicans as we see. I don't know. I just think it's a very, it's a strange moment. And the fact that McConnell is like, Rick Scott, not only have you been like plotting against me, which is bad, but you also uh, issued this proposal that is now going to get every Republican in trouble for 10 years, which is the, we should sunset all legislation, which means that they can run against us for wanting to get rid of Social Security and Medicare. Wanting to get rid of totally What? <laughs> for literally everything. Anything you, yeah. anything that's on the books, Republicans... Yeah all Republicans now want to get rid of. Yeah. And uh, you did a horrible job. You were head of the Senate reelection committee and look what happened. You bozo. You stink. Your organization stank. They did really badly. You, you, you screwed up and, and now you're going to be punished. You know why? Because that's what's supposed to happen. If this were a corporation or like any rational business, you would be demoted. You would maybe resign in disgrace. Like that, that's what you should do. Instead, you're walking around, you know, you know, with your with your bald head acting like everything is fine because you're a billionaire. Well, sorry. Life is uh, you know, there are gonna be consequences for 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 failure, you know. Holly and Lee are also very interesting because um Holly's Holly, even though I think he's being punished, like one of the things that McConnell is making sure of, if he is the one who said you're getting off the Armed Services Committee, is that Holly doesn't use his perch on the Armed Services Committee as a Republican to uh, to try to uh, make the Republican Party in the Senate appear isolationist. Because that's what he would do, right? He would say, "We need to cut to fit. We need to spend money here, and we, you know, we don't. Ukraine is bad, and we're doing this, and we're doing. You know, he would sort of be the, you know, SoCon, NatCon, Compact Magazine senator, and um, McConnell, I'm sure, thinks that they we don't need that. Like that is not a helpful thing for Republicans to have this voice in a very prominent place uh, where." these decisions are going to be made because he's, you know, either lost it ideologically or he's just being cunning and deceitful and low and cheap. Um, and I, I don't know which it is, but it doesn't really matter. Um, and Lee's intellectual degeneration is a matter of public record, but I, I don't know. I still don't know what he did that actually has incurred McConnell's specific wrath, but it must be stuff behind the, Behind the scenes. By the way, McConnell, just to just to be fair to him, the person that McConnell hates most in the Senate is Ted Cruz. I mean, he loathes Ted Cruz, but you'll notice, like, as he is doing this, he's not going like he doesn't have any reason to go after Ted Cruz in 2021, 23. And he's not like just because he hates, he's not just like settling all family business out of spite. Like these are very specific things that he's doing in response to very specific behaviors uh anybody have anything to say about the super bowl before we go only that i told you i told you that you was right 
<laughs> Abe was right. Who couldn't like that game? <laughs> Busted. It was a fantastic game. <laughs> like the second year. half was fantastic. I was no, I mean, the first half was fantastic because like the Eagles were amazing in the first half. Hertz was amazing. They were they were amazing. And then and then, you know, I mean the Mahomes drama is just sort of like a you know, he hurts his ankle again and like my, my uh, I don't know. He mine, stopped limping when he when they started winning. I'll just point that out. <laughs> but a friend of mine, it's interesting. A friend of mine who is an orthopedist said, uh, you know, was texting said, "I don't see how he can play again. Like if he has a high ankle sprain and he just injured it again, like I, you know, that is like no, you know, and somehow who knows, you know, yeah, adrenaline, whatever. Anyway, it was just a it was a it was a great game. All of Philadelphia is all." Pen up over this holding call. It cost him yeah. the game, yeah. right? That didn't cost you the game. The fumble that Kansas City converted into a touchdown in the second quarter or yes. late in the first quarter cost you the game. And so... Well, Phillies fans are not rational call, people. So if that holding <laughs> call hadn't happened, if that holding call hadn't happened, who they scored, the, the Eagles, the Chiefs scored on every possession in the second half. They would have scored on that possession? And then they would have gotten the ball back and scored again. Like, you know, it was pretty crazy, though. Was, you also it was started great... lighting up over the commercials in the second half. I started, I tuned out in the second half. Uh-huh. But the uh, commercials in the first half were unimpressive. They were. There were a couple of really good, there were, were a couple of, of really good in. ones. In. There were a couple of really good ones in the second half. But I do note, commercial-wise, that um, this is more of the atomization of popular culture because there were a whole bunch of commercials that had clearly had famous people in them that you were supposed to go they popped up and you're supposed to go oh wow look that's you know and he's just coming up for two seconds as <laughs> someone is running here and like i didn't know who any of them were that, and they, they did that in lieu and... of like jokes or a narrative or something yeah. interesting yeah I, I did like the walter white one with the chips <laughs> that was really I was good a breaking the walter bad white fan, one so yeah, yeah i like that bad one. one was really good and and actually the... bradley Cooper with his mom, I also liked. That was cute. Because <laughs> I've had those conversations with my sons. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Anyway, there were a couple of good ones. But anyway, it was a, it was just a really good game. And last year's was a really good game. Like, they, they've they had really good games. Like, the last three years, Super Bowls used to be terrible. Okay, but often. you owe Abe a drink because he did bet on you enjoying the game. Okay. But <laughs> Abe, you enjoyed the game. Totally. Okay, so, you know. Yeah, it, which is which is more surprising because I don't watch that any, is the appropriate any response sports, yeah. was to enjoy that game. Not to enjoy that game would suggest that you, you nothing is fun for you. Is all I'm saying. Um. Anyhow, uh, also it's nice that Patrick Mahomes is now the 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 goat of the uh, you know the the current like greatest player in the NFL because he seems like like. A, a good guy like he's he's nice he's got a nice family he's very he's got a pleasant demeanor he's not angry you know he he's you know he he, he likes god you know it's it's it maybe we'll discover that he's got a dark side like you always do with people but but um but you know he's not a he's a he's he's a good poster boy for the nfl after like years of horrible and deshaun watson and terrible people doing terrible things it's sort of that's a that's one one nice takeaway that i'm sure as i say we will be you know the way never meet celebrity your works yeah never <laughs> never bank on somebody remaining in good odor as a as a personality but um and uh, the halftime show was terrible the visuals were cool but the half but i mean she was terrible and the fact that rihanna and she sounded she like she it was like ambient music like you couldn't even hear the words and stuff and then they immediately announced she's pregnant to explain why it was that she was moving why around. she kept her clothes on probably like that's the and, only thing yeah. the only saving grace of that performance is that because she's pregnant she's stripped down <laughs> yeah and i appreciated like, that part of it she was moving like um i don't know like a zombie like there were all these dancers around her, like doing crazy flips, and she was sort Your of like. Your center of gravity shifts when you have the. Okay. the I, I listen. Belly. I can't speak to <laughs> what it's like to be pregnant, so I, I I I I salute her. But I don't even know why they picked her. It's very strange. I don't. Who knows how that 
how, how those decisions are made. I admire, I, I'm not, a, I, her music's fine, but like as a businesswoman, she's actually pretty impressive. She's, she's yeah. built these incredible like mini empires in several different areas of business. So yeah. she should be admired for that at least. Yeah. The greatest shot in the game was uh, Rupert Murdoch, his current girlfriend, Elon Musk, and his daughter, Liz, all sitting in a box together eating what looked to be like a giant hero sandwich, which which I really, which I really enjoyed, which I really enjoyed seeing. Anyway, um, we will be back tomorrow. Oh, I should mention one thing before we go. We're closing our March issue Um there's some really remarkable stuff in it. Um, we have uh, a, an extraordinary piece by Saul Stern on the Palestinian Nakba, the catastrophe the Palestinians claimed they underwent in 1948 with the founding of the State of Israel and how the entire Nakba narrative, uh, not the Nakba narrative about how they were dispossessed and displaced, which is real, but the Nakba narrative about the ideological uh, causes of this catastrophe uh, has been a lie from the beginning, literally created uh, the term created by a uh, professor who did not use it to refer to the Palestinians. Anyway, it's a, it's a pretty extraordinary piece. Uh, Eli Lake on the Iraq war 20 years later, Andrew Roberts on uh, paying tribute to Paul Johnson, um, which is really a, a wonderful piece of writing uh, a remarkable essay by joseph epstein on anton Chekhov. there is just it's a very rich issue and we'll 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 delve into it more deeply uh it'll should be online tomorrow uh so we will we will get it up for our subscribers and if you're not a subscriber subscribe subscribe you're a freeloader costs us money to do this podcast you want to keep it going you'll subscribe you know, liberals subscribe to public radio. So don't, you know, is that what you want? You want liberals to, you want, you want to be like freeloaders and have liberals like do the responsible thing to support their media? The NPR tote bag mafia. Yeah. Channel, what we used to call the channel 13 tote bag people. That's how old I am. Anyway, so subscribe. You can read the March issue the minute you subscribe cover to cover. Really great. Starting tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow for Abe Christina Noam John Pod Keep the candle burning.